I may just be a humble cat. A little country cat. I might have paused during my closing statement to lick myself. But I do know one thing. <laughs> my client is not guilty of murder. We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike our way through Wikipedia. I am your host tonight, Tim, and with me as always are my uh, ever-lovely co-hosts. Uh, I'm Kyle. I'm Sky. So what we do... And you can't you can't see, but we're wearing like co-host dresses, you know, just because, you know... You're sipping tea and just... Because we're lovely? Yes. Yeah, we're lovely. I, I don't know about you, but I'm lovely. You have Isn't She Lovely just playing in the background. Uh, basically all the time, yes. So what we do is uh, we start on one page on uh, the Great Bastion of Knowledge Wikipedia, and clicking on the links uh, from page to page, try to reach a destination. Tonight, uh, I'm starting on another list. I love lists on Wikipedia. And uh, this one is particularly dear to my heart. Uh, so today we will be starting on List of Animals with Fraudulent Diplomas. <laughs> nice. And we'll be going to uh, a couple of animals who should actually have diplomas, uh, Pinky and the Brain. Very good. Cool. Uh, I would like to point out that Wikipedia, all I type out is list of animals <laughs> W. Yeah. And, and it, it gets, knows. and it automatically, know, I'm like, oh, you want the list of animals with fraudulent diplomas. What else could you want? <laughs> uh, so, uh, to uh, decide who goes first tonight. We're going to be starting on a page about animals with doctorates. Uh, so I thought it would be nice to uh, answer a few questions on animal doctors. Oh, good. Uh, I'm going to ask three uh, numbers-based questions uh, about uh, the job of a veterinarian. Uh, these statistics come from the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, their Occupational Outlook Handbook. Uh, okay. So I'll ask a question, and I'll ask both of you to give me your best guess. Closest guess will win a point. We're going to have three questions. Uh, whoever gets the most is going to start tonight. We finally devised a game that you can't possibly tie. Correct. Right, good job. All right, unless you guys get the same answer. No, it can't happen. <laughs> All right. Uh, so this is the job of veterinarian. In 2016, Sky already answered five. <laughs> so <laughs> Don't get... Well, now I'm going to guess a different number. Yeah. Because <laughs> Kyle Dang it. number is. Kyle knows now. In 2016, how many veterinarians were there in the United States? <laughs> five. five. Five seems reasonable. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, just in total? In total. I mean, I'm guessing this is an estimate. Man. <laughs> uh, it's, not counting the, it's not counting the rogue veterinarians that work off the grid. Oh, oh, I didn't think about that. I think I'm way off. <laughs> so, Kyle answered 259,001. Yep. Uh, Sky answered 250,000. Yes! That is too close for comfort. I want this to not tie. Are you kidding? So it's not getting close. That's still too close. <laughs> but one of us would win, right? One, one of us one is right. still going to win, but I'm just saying, like, in the future... Be uh, more, oh, okay. more far away from each other. Uh, the correct answer is <laughs> 79,600. Holy cow. Yeah, that, not that as many as you think, right? 
Yeah. Uh, oh. So Sky gets that point. I guess is it a is it a vet is a veterinarian like not everybody at the vet is a vet. I guess there's only Are one. You talking vet about the general? veterans of foreign affairs? No, I'm talking no. about the pets of the doggies and the kitties and like because like I'm like oh there's like a bunch of people that like take care of the cats there but it's like well there's probably like one or two vets though. It's like the dentist and and uh, hygienist right hygienist, situation yeah. yeah. Well, possibly okay. yeah. Okay, question two. Uh. What is what was the median pay of a veterinarian oh, no. in 2017 uh, per hour? Per hour? Yep, the median per pay per hour for a veterinarian. Uh, oh, let's say median. I feel like this is super low, but I'm also just throwing it out there. Okay. Now I'm now I'm afraid of price price is writing it. <laughs> so Sky answered $35. You're kidding me. Kyle answered $35. <laughs> what did I tell you? Yes. Yeah. I promise you we weren't like Kyle, I'm gonna say $35. You say okay, $35. you do it too. Okay. <laughs> so let's switch this up. Yeah. Uh look now it's not bad. now tell me um I'll I'll go back to the per hour after this, but Go to how much, what is the median pay in 2017 that they earned in a year? Oh, goodness. In a year. Oh, my. Okay. Uh, let's say. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Kyle answered 90,000. Sky answered 80,000. Oh, dang it, Sky. We were so close again. Yeah. Correct answer is $90,420 per year. Nice. On so the Kyle nose. gets that point. Yeah, that is that was very prices right. That was very good. Thank uh, you. And the median pay per hour is $43.47. We were still so you were pretty close on that one, too. Both of you, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, what is the required number of hours of work experience in a related occupation or oh sorry not related occupation what is the required hours of on the job training a veterinarian is required to have i mean oh, there no. can be only one answer for this okay uh sky answered what are you doing uh okay <laughs> kyle answered we... a dog year <laughs> sky answered <laughs> Zero trick question. I got you. <laughs> Sky is correct. It is, really? There is no on-the-job training yes. required to become a veterinarian. You did got him. I you did, did I got, got me. You. Good job, Sky. So technically, I think that is you who Yay. won. And you will start our game tonight. Wow. Wow. List of animals with fraudulent diplomas. This includes non-human animals who have been submitted as applicants <laughs> to suspected diploma mills. Oh, that's that's, that's more sad. Um, on occasion, they have been admitted and granted a, de- a degree as reported in reliable sources. Animals are often used as a device to clearly demonstrate the, the lax standards of the awarding institutions. In one case, a cat's degree helped lead to a successful fraud per, per the prosecution against the institution that had issued it. Well, I mean, that's specifically because the cat was also a lawyer at that point and was able to. 
Yeah, he's it. Meow, meow, meow. Meow, meow, meow. <laughs> now comes the cat. <laughs> and Jury. Just a list of cats and dogs here. I may just be a cat. <laughs> Maxwell sniffing oh, well. No, because no, now I'm imagining a tiny cat in the little seersucker. Oh, yep. no, with a, with a southern drawl. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I may just be a humble cat. A little country cat. I might have paused during my closing statement to lick myself. But I do know one thing. My client is not guilty of murder. <laughs> okay. Um, um. So yeah, there's some great names here. Uh, yeah. Kitty O'Malley. Mm, that's good. Um, a cat also known as Spanky. Uh, I wow. would suggest sticking with Kitty O'Malley. I mean... I I probably I mean that you know that's the that's the nickname that they were trying to get to stick and it just wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Like that's what they were trying to do ab- around the frat. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, no, it's Spanky. I'm like, okay, Kitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oreo C Collins. Oh wow, is a tuxedo cat. What do you what do you suppose the C stands for? Um, College cookie. Oreo cookie I'm, Collins. I would like that. Actually, that's, that that, that works good. very good. Yeah. That sounds like a great sweet drink. Uh mm-hmm. I like Zoe D Cats, which which Wikipedia helpfully uh <laughs> parses out as Zoe the Cat in German. Mm-hmm. Oh That's wow. Good. Uh around two thousand one Eichel uh the cat's owner was able to obtain several well known hypnotherapy certifications for his cat. I mean yeah, but was his cat actually good at it? I mean, this is what I want to know. Is toxoplasmosis a form of hypnotherapy? Sky? Uh, maybe. I did <laughs> a I, lot of things. I did read an article recently that said that people with toxoplasmosis are more likely to become entrepreneurs. Yep. Because mm, they want to get away from their cats. They don't want to get to their cats. Because they're not afraid. <laughs> they're not afraid of their cats. Sure. That's what it is. Um, so my favorite, um, my favorite on this list is Maxwell Sniffingwell. Oh, that's good. In 2009, Dr. Ben Mays, a veterinarian in Clinton, Arkansas, a veterinarian, submitted an application to Belford University on behalf of English bulldog Maxwell Sniffingwell. The application included his work as a reproductive specialist, noting his natural ability in theriogenology and experimental work with felines, uh, and his understanding of the merits of specialization despite a desire to, quote, do them all, unquote. <laughs> His application was accepted upon the $549 payment to the university. Amazing. Um, I I appreciate Maxwell sniffing well, but I think my favorite is Sassafras Herbert. <laughs> That's very good, too. Uh, a female who, poodle. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Bought the diploma for $50. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunny, uh, May 30th, 2007 episode of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation comedy show, The Chaser's War on Everything. Documented host, uh, Chaz Lichardello, forgive my pronunciation, applying online and obtaining a medical degree for his dog, Sunny, from the Diploma Mill Ashwood University. Sunny's work experience included significant proctology experience sniffing other dogs' bums. <laughs> wow. Ashwood University has since been listed as a non-accredited degree supplier in the states of Michigan, Oregon, and Texas. Good. Yep. Good. Just those three places. Okay. Um. Well. Well. 
There is there are links here. Would you ever want to give um, your one of your cats a diploma? Hmm. Not not really. If one of your I cats mean, were to get a diploma, which one would it be and for uh, what? If I was trying to prove that you, universities were fraudulent, it would be Steve. He's the <laughs> dumbest of the cats. Well, wait, no, no. He's he's he just has different a uh, different set of intelligences. We're not I mean we're not saying he's dumb, <laughs> just the dumbest of the three. You're right. Oh, okay. All right, that's dumb, different. Though. Yeah. Very man. <laughs> Uh, I've got the BBC here. We've been there before. Uh huh. <laughs> Email spam. Restraining order. <clears throat> hmm. Oh, restraining order is very good, and you know the brain has several. <laughs> yes. There's By the a way, science journalist. Tim, I need to know before we continue going, is the name of the page literally Pinky and the Brain, or is it The Pinky and the Brain? It is Pinky and the Brain. Ooh, only one of them gets the article. Yep. That's always been the case, though. Oh, is it? Oh, yes. I've always... Oh, dang. Um... I already have a plan, Sky, just so... You do, huh? Yeah. So destroy it. So Uh... blow it up. I guess I'm going to go to uh, Nope, that just takes me to George the cat on this page. Um I guess I'm going to go to science journalist. Okay. <laughs> That's actually not a bad call. Science stuff. Yep. <laughs> That's accurate. Uh I'm yep. going to click I'm going to click Basset Hound. Oh, nice. Uh, from Ooh. Molly here. Nice. Uh, Molly, the uh, the Basset Hound. Uh, let's see. Reporter got a high school diploma and official transcript from LinkedIn Academy for the photographer's Basset Hound Molly after filling out a laughable, oh, I'm sorry, quote, laughable, end quote, quote, easy take-home test, end quote. That's cited uh, to an article called I mean, Dog Gets High School Diploma as So-Called Degree Mills Flourish Under Texas Law. In I mean, if the dog still managed to fill out the test, I still would say that's impressive. <laughs> huh. uh, yeah, I'm clicking Basset out. Okay. Science journalism. Science. <laughs> Science. The field typically journalism. involves interactions between scientists, journalists, and the public. I mean, I would yeah. hope so. I said science again. Indeed. That's pretty much it. Uh, the chocolate hoax. <laughs> in 2015, <laughs> John Bo- Bohanan, Bohanan produced sure. a deliberately bad study to see how a low-quality open-access publisher and the media would pick up their findings. He worked with a filmmaker, Peter Onikin, who was making a film about junk science in the diet industry with bad diets, becoming headline news despite terrible study design and almost no evidence. He invented a fake diet institute that lacks even a website, and used the pen name Johannes Bohan and fabricated a press release. Yo- Johannes Bohannon. Johannes I mean, Bohannon. Yeah. That's doesn't really say much more than that. I thought it would be... <laughs> I thought the chocolate hoax I mean, would be better. I mean, it has its own article. Oh, are you going to click the chocolate hoax? Uh, it has one under, it's under his own thing there. 
Oh, weird. I, um, I want to know about the chocolate hoax. But that is. But that maybe is, we have to save that for another day. Oh. It's true. That is a deliberate problem, though, in the yes. interactions between scientific studies and journalism, though. Totally. Is that mm-hmm. you can just say, hey, I'm a scientist. We printed this. If you can get something printed in a journal, no matter what it is, news outlets will to. just take it and run. Yeah, That's yep. why eggs are good and bad for you every other year. Mm. Right. You want to get something wild in there because then that gets you the money. Mm-hmm. Get, get you the clicks. Sweet, sweet brand money. And those sweet, sweet um, clicks. It's a win-win. Notable, win. science, notable science journalists here. Uh, Mary Roach is on here. She should hey. be. Um, she's cool. She is yeah. cool. I, I wonder what she's up to. People. I have not read anything of hers in a, in a year or so. So. Hmm. Well, where am I going to go? Well. Uh, there's open access. I could just go to science. I feel like I'm getting farther away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to find science in in like Sunday morning cartoons. Yeah. You need to find funny science. Cartoon in which science. case, uh, there in, is. In which maybe, case, Mary Roach is your best choice. Right. She's on a list, though. Um, mm. There's the PBS Nova Nova TV series that would get me to TV. I liked Nova. That, that was a good show. I never got to watch it as a kid. I'm gonna click on that. Okay. Okay. Nova. So the Basset Hound. The Basset Hound is a short-legged breed of dog from the Hound family. Uh, it is a scent hound, originally bred for the purpose of hunting hair, which should not actually be that hard to find, given that most humans have hair. Ugh. Um. They are one of six recognized Basset-type breeds in France. I don't know why that sentence is in here, but I like it. The name Basset is derived from the French word bass, meaning low, with the, with the attenuating suffix of et, together meaning rather low. So they're just, they're, just, so, they're, just, they're pretty short, you guys. Shoddy getting Basset. <laughs> uh, Bassets are, I, this is a, this could be a terrifying word, uh, description if you took this incorrectly. Bassets are large, short, also, solid and long. So, bassets are large, short, solid, and long. <laughs> okay. Sounds like part They're... of a song. <laughs> large, short, solid, and long. <laughs> Basset with curved saber tails held high over their long backs. Are they describing a scorpion? Because... It kind of looks like one. Look at that picture. It's a scorpion dog is yeah. what they're describing, yes. <laughs> Uh, the scorpion adult, cow dog. This, <laughs> the scorpion cow dog, yes. This breed relative to... Oh, this is just mean. This breed relative to size is heavier boned than any other. Look, look, they're not... They're big just... Boned. Yeah, they're just big boned. Mm. Uh, the breed it has a hanging skin structure which causes the face to occasionally look sad. Occasionally, this, like, for many, always looks sad. <laughs> This, for many people, adds to the breed's charm. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, this is... I never thought about this before. The dewlap, seen as the loose, elastic skin around the neck, and the trailing ears, which, along with the bloodhound, are the longest of any breed, help trap the scent of what they are tracking. What? 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 They just file uh, They file that in their skin folds? They, <laughs> yeah. That's gross. Yes. 
<laughs> That's exactly what they do, Tim. Oh. Uh, the, oh, wow. Uh, this, combined with the loose skin around its face and neck, means that the flat collars can easily be pulled off. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, so the... Oh, 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 okay. The previous FCI standard described the characteristic skin of the Basset, which resembles its ancestor, the Bloodhound, as quote-unquote loose. Excuse this wording me. has since no no no. This wording has since been updated to what do you think the descriptor for basset hound skin currently is? Floppy. Please give me the. T- <laughs> there, I will tell you now. There are two adjectives that they use to describe the basset hound skin, and it, neither of them are loose anymore. Oof. Uh. Floppy. <laughs> uh no. Flappy. Wrinkly. The, <laughs> the two words that they use are supple and elastic. No. Mm-mm. Yep. No. Quoted. That's quoted. No, that's those are lies. The, <laughs> the looseness of the skin results in the Basset's characteristic facial wrinkles. They, oh no, they drool a lot due to their loose flues. What? Uh, okay. Apparently, flues are like the. I don't, okay, it's like, it's the external parts of the domestic dog is what it's describing this as? I don't know. Okay. But, I mean, if so, if you're going to drool from something, loose flues sounds right. Um. Okay, so, that's all I want to so talk about. wait a minute, about. wait, 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 wait. So in what? England, in the 1890s, uh-huh. they were trying to breed basset hounds back to a heavier type than they had been bred to previously. I guess the okay. French version beforehand, they had been lighter and sleeker, Skinnier. more aerodynamic. Yeah. Less elastic? Yes. Uh, maybe. Uh, so it says, Everett <laughs> Millet, who is considered to be the father of the modern Basset Hound, bred mm. one such dog, Nicholas, uh, to a bloodhound named Inoculation Whoa. through artificial Whoa, insemination what? in order to create a heavier Basset in England in the 1890s. The litter was delivered by cesarean section, and the surviving pups were refined with French and English bassets. Bassets. Wow, that is kind of creepy. So, don't name your dog inoculation. No. And then, uh, Everett. No one wants to be known as the father of a dog. Mm-mm. So, I'm just putting that out there. Maybe think about your phrasing. Father of a yeah. dog. Um. So, in the description here for health, uh, basset hounds have large pendulous ears mm-hmm. that that's cited, known as quote unquote leathers, uh, that do not allow air to circulate inside them, unlike other breeds with more erect or open ears. So, uh, if you want to know what to, if a basset hound, if you're scratching a bas- basset hound, you want to scratch them right behind the leathers. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> Yeah, just avoid avoid their flus. So, uh, in the pop culture segment, <laughs> which is why I came here, um, I actually came here trying to get just the cartoons uh, because I was thinking of uh, Droopy. Uh, many cartoon oh. dogs are based on the Basset, such as Droopy's, with se- several Bassets appearing in animated Disney films. A syndicated comic strip, Fred Bassett, has been a regular feature in newspapers since 1963. Hmm. Um, However, I got lucky, and uh, 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 
In the early days of television, Elvis Presley famous, famously sang Hound Dog to a disinterested Basset Hound named Sherlock on the Steve Allen Show <laughs> on July 1st, 1956. <laughs> I don't know why this is the next sentence, but it's the next sentence. Lassie had a Basset friend named Pokey early in the Lassie television series. Guess what? Okay. Lassie is is linked, and I'm clicking oh, that. Oh, no. yeah. I see. Let's see. Let's see how good these Wikipedia ed- editors are. Nova. Nova. It's an American popular science television series produced by WGBH Boston. Broadcast on PBS and more than 100 other countries. Well, it, it's public in, it, it broadcast in, P- in the U.S. by PBS. Uh, it's won major television awards. <laughs> Uh, it often interviews scientists doing research in the subject areas covered and occasionally includes footage of a particular discovery. Um, some episode topics uh, are like Coldwitz Castle, Drake, the Drake Equation, Elementary Particles, uh, the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens, uh, global warming, storm chasing, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> the NOVA programs have been praised for their good pacing, clear writing and crisp editing websites accompany the segments and have also won awards which is cool mm-hmm. um yeah the national academy of television arts and sciences like most of this is just about the the awards that they won um and they're kind of boasting yeah yeah some of these episodes <laughs> here's looking at you kid the miracle of life uh aids chapter one did you acid rain did you new have bad to news. watch the miracle of life in high school i don't remember okay i remember <laughs> oh, sorry. i had to i mean it's basically just like that the how is a baby made video how how, how do babies mm-hmm. how are baby and it, basi- it basically basically as soon as you said Bassi- baby <laughs> I, um no i mean it basically recorded a lot of what happens like from inside mm. humans fun Oh, it was very yeah. it was very interesting like it i mean that's that's probably the only scientific way you're ever going to see that that's true mm-hmm. um talk about the cold war here i don't think that has to do with any with pinking the brain um wgb8 hmm i think i'm going down a boring route but i probably should just go to pbs <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. PBS is exciting. Oh wait, no, there's television series here. Oh. I'm gonna click on television series. There you go. Okay. All right, Lassie. Good, thank you. Lassie. Uh, is an American television series that follows the adventures of a female rough collie dog named Lassie and her companions, both human and animal. The show was the creation of producer Robert Maxwell and animal trainer Rudd Weathermax, which, what a name. Yeah, that's pretty rad. And was televised uh, September 12th, 1954 uh, to ni- uh, March 25th, 1973. Um, it is the fifth running, fifth longest running U.S. primetime television series after The Simpsons, Gunsmoke, Law & Order, at Law & Order SVU. Oh, wow. Oh, and Law & Order SVU. The show chalked up 17 seasons. Oh, my goodness. We we know Lassie, right? Oh, um, freaking yeah, we know now Lassie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever watched Lassie. No, whoa, one whoa. Of, so, 
growing up with the name Tim. Oh, oh yeah, no. sure. It has certain connotations oh, yeah. with it that people will just frequently bring up to you. Of course. <laughs> Whoa. Um, there was... Um, originally, it was, of course, Timmy and Lassie, Timmy down the well. Right. That finally got phased out, only to be um, replaced with Timmy from South Park. Okay. Oh, yeah. So, that well, was all fun. Good times. If you if you were lucky, it'd be, there are those who call me Tim. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's so uncommon. Like, I'm, I'll ha- I'm happy if anyone does that. <laughs> right. But the I other also ones, got a no. lot of, I also got a lot of Kyle from South Park. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But at least Kyle he, doesn't just say his name. That's fair. That's, yeah. that's all I get. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. Sky, I know you have to deal with people say always telling you that that's their dog's name, but yeah, at least there's not a very familiar uh, cartoon character. Not cartoon character. Yeah, there is a very familiar character from Breaking Bad. Oh right. Oh yeah. yeah. I forgot. That's that's happening more and more. Um. Yep. Okay. Well, anyway. Um. Let's see. I so here's the thing. I wanted to talk about this, and I'm having trouble finding information on it because I. Mm. So they have the of the characters and cast. They have from 54 to 57. They talk about the main four: uh, Ellen, Jeff, or rather, I'm sorry. The yeah, the um, war widowed farm woman, Ellen's. 11-year-old son, uh, oh, I'm sorry, what? Oh, no! <laughs> I did not realize this. I, I didn't know there was a different backstory because Jeff Miller was the original owner of Lassie. And then in 57, they went to the Martin the Martin farm, uh, or the Miller farm, where Timmy Martin was, uh, was a foster child. Oh, my gosh. Oh wow! Wait, was every family in the Lassie like expanded universe uh, a blended family? This that's kind of cool, huh? There, yeah. In the first one, uh, a war widowed farm woman is living with her father in law and uh, and the child's grandfather. So there, and and a local farmhand helps out around the farm. Um, yeah. 57 to 64, Timmy is a foster boy uh, on the Miller farm. Um, and they've, yeah, they've adopted him. Oh my gosh, I did not realize this. And then, and then, okay, 64 to 70, uh, Lassie's apparently part of the forest, U- U.S. Forest Service. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I'm going to come back to this, but in 71 to 73, uh, she's out on the Holden Ranch, where she hangs out with Garth Holden, and, oh, oh, whoa, hold on a second. Uh, Okay, so Garth Holden, who is the director of the Holden Ranch, uh, Lassie hangs out with Ron Holden, Garth's son, um, and then, uh, yeah, Garth is just the... The only adult on there, except his brother, and they have a deaf child who lives nearby as well. Like he—that's also a non-traditional family. Like, what the heck? When did? Right. When was since? 
Since when was Lassie so progressive, you guys? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but specifically, through se- 1970 to 71, the season is called Traveling on Her Own. And it literally says, no human leads as the cast. Now, wait a minute. Did that come before or after The Littlest Hobo? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, there's a Canadian show called The Littlest Hobo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is uh, about, well, it's like the dog Incredible Hulk. Except whoa, he, doesn't, whoa, whoa. he doesn't Hulk out. He just travels around and he helps people with their problems and then he moves on. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what I think of primarily when I think of the Hulk. And yeah. like him hulking out as a secondary thing. Yeah, yeah that's... Yep. Dog that's Hulk. the that's the initial thing, yes. Dog Hulk. Dog Hulk. Um I mm, I really want to know about this, but they don't really have any other information about the year where she's what, is it just like a a year in the wild where she's just like, screw these humans. I have to keep I have to keep rescuing them. I'm gonna go make animal friends. Yeah. Uh John Provost called his autobiography Timmy's in the Well, because a well was the one place Timmy never fell into during the series. Uh, abandoned yep. mineshafts, off cliffs, into rivers, lakes, and quicksand, but never a well. <sighs> so, <laughs> I came here looking for uh, the the dog from from uh, pink, uh, from Animaniacs. Yeah. whose name has suddenly escaped me, and I was like, yeah, I'll just see it on this page. Guess what? Not on this page. Oh, no. Starring so, special guest, not on this page. <laughs> yes. Buttons. It's buttons. Oh, my goodness. Oh, buttons, yeah. yeah. Yep. Bye. So. <laughs> what a good show. <laughs> I'm looking for this, and, oh, man, I'm really struggling. Because, okay, they have, um, I could go to Mad Magazine, that's on here. There's the Flintstones, but... I just want just... to point out that while you're deciding, I'm listening to the Littlest Hobo theme song. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. Oh, that's good. I What's it sound like? I will share it with you. Well, I mean, you can describe it for the listeners. Um, it's very um, traveling road, <laughs> um, uplifting... Oh, I like uh, it. And, like, I, most Canadians know it. I mean, most, at least all the Canadians on, I take... know, know this song <laughs> wait, by heart. Did, did you just say most Canadians know? <laughs> yes. Is this just a thing that you I just don't, know? I don't have a citation for that, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's starring London. Yeah. Probably based on Jack London. Okay. Uh, I'm, mm. Hey, did Animaniacs win an Emmy Award? Because that's on. <laughs> that's uh, that's up to you to know. Oh, jeez. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to click Emmy Award because even if it doesn't get me there, it'll get me close. Okie doke. I am very interested in Lassie being a progressive icon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. So a television show may also be called a television program. Or in British English program, especially if it lacks a narrative structure. A television series is usually released in episodes that follow a narrative and are usually divided into seasons. Cool. Television shows can be viewed as they are broadcast in real time, parentheses, live, 
but recorded <laughs> or be recorded on home video or a digital video recorder for later viewing, comma, or be viewed on demand via a setup top box or streamed over the internet. This is how media get goes. This is how media. This is how media do. This is how medium is. Mm. The first television shows were sper- experimental, sporadic broadcasts viewed only with a very short range from the broadcast tower starting in the 1930s. Oh my god, they were like broadcasts. The 1936 <laughs> Summer Olympics. Um, this ni- the 1937 coronation of King George VI in the UK. And David Sarnoff's famous introduction at the 1939 New York World's Fair in the U.S. spurred a growth in the medium, but World War II put a halt to the development until after the war. <sighs> TV, guys, it's it's a thing. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people do it. There's a lot of guys here. There's a lot of people. And, and mostly guys, though, because it happened in the 30s to, like, the 50s. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um... I, there's not too much here that's very exciting. Uh, running time. In the United States, dramas produced for hour-long time slots typically are 39 to 42 minutes in length. Uh, sitcoms produced for 30-minute time slots are typically 18 to 21. There are exceptions. Um, as subscription-based TV channels such as HBO, Stars have episodes with 45 to 48 minutes of program, uh, which is similar to Britain. Britain and Netflix, dramas. which just does not care, and does mm, episode no. type lengths of his whatever they want. Yeah, in British in British dramas, uh, they run forty six to forty eight minutes. Um, in France, most television shows have a duration of fifty two minutes. It's pretty wild. It is wild. That's entertaining. I did. I don't watch TV very much, like actual like TV programs. But I did realize that lately, compared to when I was a kid used to be if a show ends, there was credits, and then there was commercials, and then the next show would start. Now a show ends, and another show starts. And, like, maybe you see the credits in, like, like a a Mm picture-in-picture. But, like, they got you on the next show, because they know that's how they're going to get you to keep watching. It's clever. and It's it's smart, yeah. And they fit in an extra level of, uh, of commercials, because, you know, if you're edging one show into the other, you've got to make that time up somewhere. Yeah, so I've got a bunch of shows here, and I've got one show here. I've got a couple shows. There's <laughs> Family Guy's on here. Yeah. Gross. No. South Park's so, on here. Gross. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if see voice actors. I need to get. I think voice actors. I'm going to get there. Ooh, yeah, that's a good call. Futurama's here, and I think Futurama might be able to get me. Those are like the same people. Orson they're not Wells really is... the same people, but they're close. <laughs> Orson Welles has absolutely shown up on Futurama. Yeah, you, you might be surprised. There you go. Yeah. All right. I'm going to click on Futurama. Okay. So, so the Emmy Awards. Yeah. Okay. What are they? The Emmy. What, what aren't they, Tim? What? <laughs> it's I don't know. Something, something that I should probably know more about, but don't. Um, an Emmy Award or simply Emmy is an American award that recognizes excellence in the television industry and is the equivalent of an Academy Award, uh, in parens, for film, the Tony Award for theater, and the Gra- Grammy Award for music. All of that's cited for some reason. 
because Emmys are given in various sectors of the American television industry, they are presented in different annual ceremonies held throughout the year. So it's always Emmy season. Um, so there's the primetime and daytime uh, Emmys. And then here's... Here, I didn't realize... Here's just a, a list, a partial list of other notable Emmy Award ceremonies that are that are that are run. So there are national sports programming, national news and documentary shows, mm-hmm. national business and financial reporting, and uh, and technological and engineering achievements in television, including the Primetime Engineering Emmy Awards. Regional Emmy Awards are also presented throughout the country at various times throughout the year. In addition, international Emmys are awarded for excellence in TV programming. What the heck? Just all the dang time. The only Emmy I don't see here that I would like to see is like the the Twilight Emmys or like the really early morning television broadcast oh, yeah. stuff. So what would that be? What would they be covering? Giving awards to infomercials? Like, yeah, shopping network. Giving awards to... Uh, very early morning religious broadcasts. Ooh, um, like maybe best best nun in a pedantic role. Uh, Uh, best faith healing. Yeah. Um, you could do uh, oh man, see, you could do like you you can't do it now, but you you would have been able two years ago do like the best uh music collection uh commercial. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Now that's yeah, that's what I call an Emmy. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Exactly. Good. Oh, that's what um, I call Emmy material. Uh, you could do because um, uh, they already do like the prime time. Technically, probably covers the late night shows. Um, but you could do like uh, oh oh best sign off. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, best ending sign-off. of the broadcast day. Yeah, that would have been good. Do they even do that anyway, anymore? Yeah, I mean, it's a 24-hour 24 hour content cycle. Mm-hmm. Got to keep up with the internet, Tim. Right. Um, so, do you know where the name comes from? Emmy? Yes. I do not. So, um, the, uh, to, to, to the first Emmy Awards ceremony took place on January 25th, 1949 at the Hollywood Athletic Club but solely to honor shows produced and aired locally in the L.A. area. Uh, Shirley Dinsdale has the distinction of receiving the very first Emmy Award for Most Outstanding Television Personality uh, during that first award, uh, first award ceremony. The term Emmy is a French alteration of the television crew slang term Emmy, I-M-M-Y, or the nickname for an image orthicon, a camera tube used in TV production. Wow. That is a very unfulfilling explanation. (laughs) Tim, I tried, all right? It's not your fault. (laughs) It's just like, oh, yeah, it's this French term for a tube. Oh, that's cool. I mean, yeah, so you have... Yeah, so it's not even that because it's the. Are they saying that they yeah. were awarded tubes originally? I mean, are they saying? I think what they're saying is that it can. This is a thing that makes TVs possible. TV production. Possible? I mean, there's lots of things that make TV production possible, Kyle. But so, you don't see them calling them the, um, 
The remotes. The remotes or the catering tableies. Oh, good. Or the uh, dialies. The the lazy boys. Mm-hmm. The 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 lazy the unwillingness to find the remotes <laughs> and just keep watching. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I I don't have a lot on this. I mean, I do. I have a lot on this page to work with. Oh wait. Oh wait. Hang on. This just uh, did. Do you know? Do you know? <laughs> do you know how the the statuette was designed? Was it? Actually, did do you someone know what melt it is? down a tube? Yes, that's what it is. Good job. <laughs> uh, the Emmy statuette, which is which is depicting a winged woman holding what? Uh, like a globe. Uh, uh, you are incorrect. What? Yeah, according to this, uh, it is a winged woman holding an atom. What? An atom. Okay. Okay. Which... Wait a minute. First of all, um. You can't call anything a quote-unquote heavy statuette without asking it to be used as a murder weapon. Right, yes. Also, why an atom? I don't know. Like, you don't need that specifically I mean, I guess, for... You know, I guess if you look at it, I mean, it, it, isn't, oh. it isn't actually a globe. Hang on, I think there I'm, is... Sorry, go on. Because it isn't actually a globe. It doesn't actually look like a globe. I think whenever okay. I think of an Emmy, I kind of meld it in my mind with the Golden Globes. Mm. Okay, because they're both holding round things, right? I understand. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Actually, it no, that designed... does not look like anything that I had imagined it would look like. <laughs> it does kind of just look like an orb, so to speak. Yeah. What am I thinking of? Am I thinking of a Tony Award? I think you might be, yeah. No, uh, no, that's in which, which is named for the Tony tube. <laughs> what am I? It's not an Oscar. Well, while you're looking that up, I'm going to tell why. I feel like I've been Mandela affected. Oh my gosh! Uh, it was designed by television engineer Louis McManus, who used his wife as the model. The TV Academy rejected 47 proposals before settling on this design in 1948. Mm-hmm. Statuette, quote, has since become the symbol of TV Academy's goal of supporting and uplifting the art and science of television. The wings represent the muse of art, the atom, the electron of science, end quote. Rad. Yeah. Yeah, so it's art holding a science. (laughs) Here, let me hold this science for you. (laughs) Oh, you're not wrong about this murder weapon thing, because... Two paragraphs down from there, they go into a very intense description of what they weigh and are and describes them. Each primetime Emmy statuette weighs six pounds, twelve and one half ounces, hmm. uh, three point zero eight uh, kg, and is made of copper, nickel, silver, and gold. The statuette uh, stands fifteen point five inches or thirty nine centimeters tall, with a base diameter of seven point five inches or nineteen centimeters, and a weight of eighty eight ounces uh, or 2.5 kilograms. Um, and then it does the, the regional Emmy Awards. Wow, are they trying to help someone like build a fake one? Like, what's happening here? I don't know. Someone's out there 3D printing Emmys. <laughs> now everyone can uh, have an Emmy. <laughs> now, Darn now, millennials. Now, yeah. Um, so here's the thing. I there's a lot 
of possibilities on here as far as like what I could work with. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was looking through the rest of this page and I found something else that I, that I think will help me out more Uh, down at the bottom where it says other Emmys. uh, I'd glanced through here and I saw the Bob Hope humanitarian award. And I was like, wait, Bob Hope was referenced on Animaniacs a couple times. I'm sure. But something else that I immediately saw was the public service for public service announcements and programmings to, quote, advance the common good, end quote. And if anything ripped on public service announcements more than Animaniacs, I don't know what, what it is. I'm clicking on the PSA. Okay. Good idea. Bad idea. Oh, thanks. Um, Did Tombo so Dead read those? Oh, my gosh. Maybe no. no. Or was it... It had to be the. It was the guy who did the Garfield voice, right? Oh. Oh no, no, he was the one who read the good idea, bad idea segments according to the Animaniacs wiki. It was Tombo Dead. Yep. Wow. And he also did the mime time uh, bits as well. He was the announcer for that. I I did not remember that. Mm Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm again very surprised that I was not able to get two buttons from Lassie, though. Yeah. Like, this is, uh, but I mean, there was a lot on that uh, on that page to work with. Um, I I I I just wanted to avoid going to the Flintstones specifically because we were just on uh, cartoons. We were just on Scooby Doo in the last one. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just I want to I want to kind of lean away from that. Um, yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Uh, going back to the Lassie page here. Did you see that Timmy Martin shirt, jeans, and Keds are displayed at the Smithsonian? <laughs> no. Yes, they are. I did not realize uh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, Lassie's one of the only three live canine characters. Oh, I, I don't think Lassie's still alive, guys. Oof. Uh, one of three live canine characters to receive a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I don't know who the others are because they don't list that. And has never had it pooped on. <laughs> I mean, you don't know that. <laughs> um, let's see. Do they say if I go to the Hollywood Walk of Fame list, do they just have a list of Someone, please just give me the names of the ones that are animals. No. I don't see it listed here. <laughs> I'm going to guess one is Rin Tin Tin. And what would the other one be? What would um, the third dog be? Toto? Maybe? Um, I don't know. Let's see if I just search for Lassie. Strongheart, Lassie, and Rin Tin Tin. Who's Strongheart? Never. Is that a Care Bear? <laughs> Strongheart uh, dog. Strongheart, Etzel von Orengen, uh, better known as Strongheart, yes, was a male <laughs> German Shepherd who became the earliest canine film star. Oh my goodness. One of the earliest. Uh, photogenic. Born 1917. Yeah, that's a very, that, that is a photogenic dog. 
he was trained as a police dog and served in the German Red Cross during World War One. Holy cow! He he's a real vet. There you go. Uh, oh my goodness. Uh, this dog was described as immense in body and hind hind leg formation, in body and legs a trifle better than either of the dogs above him. Hmm. But all right, so he was part of a he he was in four rugged outdoor film adventures, scripted by Jane Murfin again, very good very good name, uh, Murfin the Silent Call, Brawn of the North, nice, the Love Master. And White Fang. Um, yeah, we're we're on to you then. Uh, okay. Sky. Cool. Yeah, I picked. Uh, I pip, picked. I pipped. Uh, pipped. Public service announcement. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna work on my enunciation while you while you do your mm-hmm. page. All right, Futurama. Mm-hmm. It's an American adult animated sitcom. Uh, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> it follows it follows the adventures of slacker Philip J. Fry. He's accidentally teleported to the 31st century and finds work at an interplanetary interplanetary delivery company. Um, Correct. Yeah. Yes. Accurate. Yep. Uh, it it was around for a while, from 1999 to 2003. I like this show a lot because <laughs> I was a teenager when it was airing. <laughs> so, of course, I was into it. Uh, the television network Fox expressed a strong desire in the mid 1990s for Matt. Was it? How do you say that? Goring, Goring. I, think I have it's no idea. Matt Groaning, Groaning, to create a new series, and he began conceiving Futurama during this period. Um. Oh. In 1996. Go ahead. Sorry, it's it's graining. Graining. Yeah, let's okay. just let's be correct. It just doesn't. Even, it doesn't look anything like it. It's wild. Um. Sure. He enlisted David X. Cohen, then a writer and producer of The Simpsons, to assist. Uh, the two spent time researching science uh, science fiction book, television shows, and films when they pitched the series to, to, to Fox in April 1998. Graining and Cohen had composed many characters and storylines. Um, he claimed that he had gone overboard in their discussions. Uh, Graining oh described trying to get the show on the air as by far the worst experience of my grown-up life. <laughs> uh, Fox ordered 13 episodes. Immediately after, however, Fox feared the themes of the show were not suitable to the network, and Granning and Fox executives argued over whether the network would would have any creative input into the show. Mm. For The Simpsons, the network had no input. Fox had particularly dis, uh, dis- Fox was particularly disturbed by the concept of suicide booths. Whoa. Mm. Wait, what? Dr. Zoidberg and Bender's antisocial behavior. Granny explains, when they tried to give me notes on Futurama, I just said, no, we're going to do this just the way we did The Simpsons. And they said, well, we don't do business that way anymore. And I said, oh, well, that's the only way I do business. The episode I, Roommate, was produced to address Fox's concerns with the script written to their specifications. Fox strongly disliked the episode, but after negotiations, Graining received the same independence with Futurama. Weird. Oh, wow. Uh, hey, the, fu- the name Futurama comes from a pavilion at the 1939 New York's World Fair. <laughs> Just to <laughs> touch on uh, the last page as well. Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a neat, good show. There's a computer-generated explosion in it. It's a neat, neat good show, yes. 
Yeah. Who's your favorite character from the show? Um, I, I guess I like mm, Bender's knee. Maybe Fry, Fry might just be my favorite. Yeah. He's so he's a good he's a good kind of dumb. Like I like like Homer's also dumb, but I like the Fry kind of dumb more. It's like more endearing to me. Mm-hmm. Well, he's he's honest about it at least, and he tries. He's honest, and he's, yeah, he's also very like he's very he's a very good good person. Or tries tries to be for the most part, kind of. Compared to yeah. Homer, I, guess. I like. Uh, oh yeah, I like. Uh, I like Scruffy. Scruffy's great. Scruffy the janitor. I I gotta tell you guys, Scruffy's and... gonna die like Scruffy lived. <laughs> I I may have seen maybe two full episodes of that show in my oh. entire life. Oh wow, really? Yeah, it's uh. not that it, it's not that I'm not that I didn't enjoy it. I just. I've yeah. never really been in a place where I had time to watch it. And also, like, I, I would see parts of it here and there. And I was like, all right, that's a thing. Yep. Hermes, I think, is probably my favorite. Ah, uh, it's cool, good. too. Yeah. Um, But that's not who I'm looking for. Mm-mm. I nope. think there is, there is a character in this that mm-hmm. I think is the same guy that does the brain. And it's it's... Orson Welles. Oh. No, it's the alien guy. <laughs> you know, the alien one from Futurama. Oh, the alien from Futurama? Um it, it's Robert Paulson, isn't it's it? It's Zap it's Zap Brannigan's bud. I gotta I gotta reverse engineer this. <laughs> Zap Brannigan, okay. Do it, Columbo. Uh, who's voiced by Billy West, and then there's Kiff Crocker, who's his fourth lieutenant and long suffering personal assistant. Um, which I realize now is just a Mr. Burns. Uh, oh, it kind of is Smithers, yeah, yeah, Smithers dynamic. Now well, that I no, think about it, because Smithers, Smithers actually loved That's his true. boss, and yeah. Kiff does not love uh, Zap Brannigan. <laughs> I don't no. understand why he hangs around him. Like, I never got that dynamic. Like, no. why don't you just leave then? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of space. Sorry. Yep. So. I was going to say, I'm going to click on Kiff, but it has in parentheses here, Maurice LaMarche, and I'm hoping that is the man. <laughs> that is the man. We I'm hoping. find out. Uh, Sky, I was going to say Skyle. 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 Thanks. Why is it so oh, my, hard my, today? Um, oh, my dog's name is Skyle. Um, the dog's name uh, is Skyle. Um, a public service announcement yes. or or public service ad is a message in the public interest disseminated without charge with the objective of raising awareness, changing public attitudes and behavior toward a social issues. In the UK, they are generally called public information films or PIFs, which I much prefer. Uh, in Hong Kong, they are, not, they are known as announcements in the public interest or APIs. PIFs is best. I'm just putting that out there specifically. Specifically, hmm. um, so uh, yeah. So the earliest ones uh, were made before the Second World War in both the UK and the US, because of course they are, because propaganda is important. Uh, in the UK, uh, amateur actor Richard Massingham set up the Public Relationship Films Limited. Whoa, is a specialist agency for producing short educational films for the pub- public. In the films, 
he typically played a bumbling character who was slightly more stupid than average and often explained the message of the film Wait. through demonstrating the risks if it was ignored. How do you measure slightly Gallant, more stupid than average? Gallant uh, does this. Goofus does this. Uh, film's topics included how to cross the road, how to prevent the spread of disease, how to swim, how to drive without causing the road to be unsafe for other users. Okay. Uh, during the war, he was commissioned by the Ministry of Information to produce films for the war for the war effort. I am surprised that this page does not somehow take this back to the Greeks and Romans for coming up with some way to make them the first ones to do PSAs. Uh, so let's see. Um, yeah, and they were used during the war because, of course, they were. Uh, they do have a whole bunch of really fun, uh, the a whole bunch of very fun ones here uh, as far as the most common topics of PSAs are health and safety, such as the multimedia emergency preparedness and safety tips on air and online campaign. A typical, a typical PSA is part of a public awareness campaign to inform or educate the public about an issue such as obesity or compulsive gambling. Those are the same, those are the same level of thing according to this page. The range of possible topics has expanded over time. Citation needed. Um, so anyway, uh, generally speaking, they say a charitable organization gets a celebrity to, to do a PSA. Um, oh, wow. Uh, examples include Catherine, actress Catherine Erb uh, telling people to be green and Crips gang leader Stanley Williams speaking from prison to urge youth not to join gangs. Cool. Yep. Hey, don't join um, a gang. Related, some television shows feature very special episodes uh, with PSAs after the episodes. For example, the Law and Order SVU uh, Law and Order SVU talked about child abduction in one episode, and it had a PSA about child abduction. That's the sentence. <laughs> go on. Um, Please go on. Another example. Another example is when the original Law and Order did an episode about drunk driving. Which had a PSA about drunk driving. <laughs> what I want is one that has an episode about drunk driving and a PSA about uh, compulsive gambling. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, we had a lot of laughs on this episode about gambling. But don't get, uh, you know what? Whenever you go out in the park, <laughs> in the national parks, you're gambling your life to a bear attack. <laughs> mm -hmm. Speaking of bears. One of the earliest television public service announcements came in form of Smokey the Bear. Yeah, there we go. Uh, what I really expected to get here was uh, like a cartoon uh, or the Animaniacs with a good idea, bad idea thing. Um, so during the 1980s, a large number of American cartoons contained PSAs at the end of their shows. Uh, they may or may not have been relevant to the episode themselves. Not We're not talking to Law & Order SVU here. Uh Three of the most widely known of the closing moral segments at the end of which ones, guys? Um, of uh, G.I. Joe. Which ones are the? Yeah, which ones are the most most uh, well known? Yes, G.I. Yes. Joe is one. G.I. Joe. Pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> yes. Uh, what are the What are the other two? Sailor Moon. No. Well, they uh, did Sonic have that. Hedgehog. Sonic says is one of them. Yes, good job, Sky. I don't know anymore. According to this, 
He-Man and the Masters of the Universe was the other most widely known of the closing world segments. I don't remember that at all. I think it was before my before my time. Um, During the late eighties and nineteen nineties, environmental political issues became popular, such as the Turtle Tips or the Planeteer Alert. Oh, I forgot about the Planeteer Alert. I would like you both to know that both of those pages, both Turtle Tips and Planeteer Alert, have their own web uh, Wikipedia page. Wow. Individually. Um, what's not mentioned on here is Pinky in the Brain or Good Idea, Bad Idea as a, you know, a riff on a spoof of this series is this. So I'm going to have to just go with, like, cartoons? Okay. Wikipedia fails us again. Oh, no. Oh, man. All right. Um, so I'm thinking that I'm not just clicking cartoons. Which one? <laughs> Which one of these is going to be? Is it Sonic? Is it going to be Sonic the Hedgehog? Do we we always go to Sonic again? the Hedgehog. It's I your really destiny. Oh, man. Who would they be riffing? Who would they have done a riff of at some point? I mean, I'm sure they did a riff of Smokey Bear. Um. Uh, <laughs> you know what we're gonna do do I want to click on like turtle tips or planetary alert I don't know I mean turtle tips are delicious I am gonna click on turtle tips with some Let's broccoli see what I got out of this butter. okay we're good okay Maurice LaMarche mm-hmm. guy it's the Marsh, the Canadian voice actor and former stand-up comedian. He's known for voicing the animated version of Egon Spengler in both the real go- course. Spe- <laughs> e- Egon Spengler, Gerst Boosters, <laughs> and the real Ghost Boosters, <laughs> and its follow and its follow-up and 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 its follow-up, the Extreme Goosebusters. <laughs> the brain and Animaniacs. <laughs> And it's spin-off Pinky in the Brain. His Emmy-winning performances in Futurama. Oh my gosh, you want an Emmy he for did. that? Just being sad and upset. I would have been And impersonating right. Orson Welles in numerous series. He of won two Emmys for that. For being sad next to Zap Bradigan. Pretty much. <laughs> maybe maybe other um maybe other performances in the show, but I mean that's his main one, yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. Oh my god. Gosh. Hmm. Um, he was born in Canada. <laughs> he moved to Ontario. Uh, his childhood was filled with his own little world. His childhood was filled with his own little world of cartoons and 60s television, quote unquote. It was in his sophomore year of high school that he learned of the popularity his talent for mimicry could garner him. This realization came from a coincidental performance in a high school variety night when a couple of friends urged him to enter the act he performed at the variety night was celebrities as waiters well which he used until the end of his stand-up career wow wow Mm. uh yeah voice acting he began on expector gadget and went on to dennis the menace popeye and son popeye and son that's weird and then the real the real ghost boosters uh i did not know that he was in the goose boosters um, I like after, how you're committed after, to the bit now. This is great. After the real gross moosters, uh, <laughs> Lamarche became a major mainstay of the voiceover industry, appearing in such shows as Tiny Toon Adventures, G.I. Joe, 
Attack of the G.I. Joe, there you go. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the animated series, Tasmania, Where's Waldo, The Little Mermaid, Batman, nope, The Little Mermaid, Batman, the animated (laughs) series, and Bonkers before landing perhaps his most recognizable world in 1993 as the brain on Animaniacs. Yeah, he's on Frankazoid, The Tick, all this stuff. Lots of stuff. Guess it on The Simpsons. Uh, he was a butler on the Nickelodeon series Cat Scratch. I've never heard of that. Oh, that's, that must be new. Oh, yeah, that did not last long. No. Um, he's on the critic. He played Inspector Gadget on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. That's strange. The live action mm-hmm. segment. Huh. Yeah. Yep. 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 Okay. <laughs> Weird. Yep. Oh, he um, was the voice of Bob Hope. Oh really? my gosh! I danced around this entire oh this whole line all night. You could have Bob Hoped it. Oh, and he was the voice and. of Wacko, not the voice of Wacko, but the voice of Wacko's belches. Really? Yes. Really? That's amazing. Yes. That's under here in his in his his. his voiceography whatever just says he voiced two cats sam burping only <laughs> i would not picture i don't think think of him as two cats sam i don't huh. either wow i can't hear that mm-hmm. that's weird and he narrates lexus commercials <laughs> he would also appear as himself doing the voice of popeye the sailor for the long john silver's restaurant chain in the early oh 1990s it all comes back it all comes back man the clues were all there kyle oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I'm so up, I'm so upset right now. Uh, all right, Pinky in the brain. It's not linked anywhere on this page. <gasps> what? No, it, it is. No, it is. It's linked everywhere. <laughs> you liar! I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> what video game How dare you, done? Sky? He was Mister Freeze in the Batman games. Um. So, all right, you clicked on it. Good job, you win. He was a medium beagle boy in Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. So, but I also win because I got to the, I went to the Wikipedia page for Season 4 of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which includes episodes such, uh, with uh, descriptions such as, uh, uh, let's see, which one, which one is my favorite one of this? Is it, um, oh, wait, hold on. Uh, Raphael wins a place in the uh, at the owner. Oh, oh no, no, no! Well, this is the this is the episode. Raphael knocks him dead. Raphael must contend with a mobster named Pinky McFingers when he is kidnapped from a local comedy club. Uh, <laughs> okay. Note, note: Master Splinter is not in this episode. Also, note: He was uh, Trevor Crane, Bebop, and Rocksteady are not in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, villain, Pinky McFingers. Note, first appearance of Pinky McFingers. Um, they also hear, uh, when Michelangelo uh, decides to put on one of Dantella's inventions on Max Power for his own entertainment, he ends in a dash, quite literally, dash, little problem. April and Vernon get caught in the shrinking ray while getting footage of a military, uh, a military ship and join Michelangelo on his wild adventure. Do you want to guess... What the name of this episode is. 1990s. Mm. They 
the characters are real tiny because oh, of an invention. I know it. I know it. Uh, it's not like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You're it close. Is, You're close. It is funny. They shrunk Michelangelo. Oh, I actually did oh. not expect that. I thought it was just Honey Shrunk the Turtles. Yeah, no. Uh, they they want they specify that in the title reference it is ref- it's referring to Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Right. Again, Shredder, Krang, Bebop, and Rocksteady are not in this episode. They want you to know. Okay. Good. Um, it, it, this is just good. I'm sorry. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna hold on to the. Oh my gosh, these are so good. Michelangelo meets his favorite comic book hero after he saves a weekend Brick Bradley in the sewers, and then he and Bugman take on the evil Electro Zapper together. The Electro Zapper. <laughs> uh, note: First appearance of Bugman. Note: Shredder, Krang, Bebop, and Rocksteady are not in this episode. Is he in? Are they in any of them? <laughs> no. Um, oh, man. The turtles switch sides and discover that the Shredder is the main man behind a ring of cufflink thefts. Cufflink thefts. What? That has suddenly hit New York City. This is why this the is name- why Bebop and Rock City aren't in these. <laughs> They're like, guys, mm-hmm. no, Shredder, come on, come on. Although, uh, if you... Hold on. Uh... Uh, episode 70 titled shredder's mom uh krang frees miyosaki um miyokosaki shredder's mother from the retirement community freeze her you know freeze her from the retirement community where i guess she was being held hostage (laughs) shredder threatens the world's government to the world's governments just all of them to surrender surrender to krang or he will gradually raise the world's heat which causes new york to be in the middle of a massive heat why is he still doing it which Tuesday, am I mm-hmm. right? Uh, the two the turtles get help from Colonel Yogurt, mm. an Air Force officer, to thwart Shredder, who is starting to get annoyed with his mother's success. What? Shredder, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't I don't know. It, that's all I got. That's all. I mean, so I may not have one overall. Sky, but I feel yeah. like I won a little bit. You least. did, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. Congratulations, well done. We all won. Uh, Pinky and the Brain was the first animated television series to be presented in Dolby Surround, what? and the fourth collaboration of Steven Spielberg with his production company, Am- Amblin Television. Yep. Yeah. Produced by Warner Brothers. Um, it was so popular that it got picked <laughs> up as a series. It was so popular. With 65 episodes produced. Um, yeah, you know, you know Pinky and the Brain. Mm-hmm. They're genetically enhanced laboratory mice who reside in the cage at the Acme Labs. Brain is self-centered and scheming. Pinky is good-natured, but feeble-minded. Mm. Each episode, Brain uh, comes up with a plan to take over the world, which ultimately ends in failure, usually due to Pinky's idiocy. The impossibility of of Brain's plan, Brain's own arrogance, or just circumstances beyond their control. In common with many other Animaniac shorts, many episodes are some way in a a parody of something else, usually a film or novel. Well, I I feel like they're often because of his own ego. Like, isn't that supposed to be the thing? I think that's more than, yeah, Pinky's idiocy. Mm -hmm. usually leave Pinky alone. Usually he just doesn't account for Pinky's idiocy and his plans, and by now he should. Yes. Now, 
there's an Im image of the brain on here that's pretty, I would say, standard or like one that you've probably seen before. And I need to get your guys' opinion because I remember thinking, seeing this as a ch child and being like, is the brain, I might have said pinky, but I meant the brain. Mm -hmm. Is is the brain? Does he just have? Is he just a little? He's a little, a little soft and and kind of fat, and he's just he has his hands on his hips and they're kind of like going into his fat, <laughs> or does he have pockets on his body <laughs> that he's putting his hands into? I think he's fat. I, I think he's just fat. I always thought pockets, and I thought it was very strange. <laughs> I I can see where you're getting that, but I I read it as you know. I read it as fat. Yep. Yeah. I agree. You're probably right. Um, I like how it's just the brain. The brain, voiced by Maurice LaMarche, looks and sounds a little like Orson Welles. That's the first, the first sentence. Yep. It is um, not, and is not based entirely on Orson Welles. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um. And whatever happened to Baby Brain, Brain actually crosses paths with Wells, voiced by Jim yeah. Cummings, which is funny. Oh, they just yeah. didn't have Lamarche do it. That who is was good. working as a busboy in a Hollywood restaurant. They find themselves inadvertently yelling in unison, things will be different when I take over the world. Oh, man. In Project Brain, Brain's name is the backronym? Sure. For the eponymous project? What does that mean? What is backronym? Uh, it's where you have the acronym first and then you oh, just kind of you make up make a thing. The, mm. Yeah. Um, yep. His tail is curvy and bent, which he often uses to pick the lock in the cage. And wow, that brought back scenes. Now I remember, yep, yeah. I remember that. Uh, Pinky's also <laughs> genetically modified, although intelligent in his own right. Pinky's an extremely unstable and hyperactive mouse. <laughs> he has several verbal tics, such as narf, zort, point, and draws. The last of which he started started saying after noticing it was Zort in the mirror. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um very good. His look is the exact opposite of the brains, which is interesting. Um he's open minded, ki kinder and happier than brain. Mm. Yes. He's okay. also arguably brain's moral compass and only real friend. Aww. Yeah. So guest guest celebrity voices on this children's show have been Roddy McDowell, Nora Dunn, Townsend Coleman, Ernest Borgnine, Eric Idle, Dick Clark, Ed McMahon, Steve Allen, uh, John Tesh, Michael McKean, Gary Marshall, Mark Hamill, James Belushi, and Steven Spielberg, of course. Just, you know, all the voices that kids know and love. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, Animaniacs was a show... Made for kids, written for adults. Right. Yep. So. Uh, a common element in every episode is the following exchange, often referred to by the acronym AYPYIP. You guys know what this yeah. is? Yeah. Are, are you pondering? What I'm pondering. Yeah. What, what I'm pondering. The brain will say, Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? And mm -hmm. Pinky will say, I think so, brain. But Pinky's response ends with a non sequitur, such as, we're already naked. Isn't a cucumber that small called a gherkin? Or... If they called them sad meals, kids wouldn't buy them. <laughs> Brain would then become furious, often bashing Pinky over the head. Oh my gosh, he did. Mm -hmm. I, I forgot yeah. about that. A few times in the series, Pinky and, Bra Pinky, 
Pinky and Brain indeed pondered the same thing, though in one of these, Pinky dismissed his idea as being too stupid. <laughs> Just oh. one time the answer was, yes, I am, when Pinky's intelligence is elevated to match Brain's. In another episode, it turns out that, that what Pinky was pondering was that he and Brain never pondered the same thing, which turned out to be part of what Brain was pondering as well. <laughs> in a short episode, <laughs> Pinky's POV, the spectacular... The spectator sees everything Pinky sees, including his imagination, and hears his thoughts. Okay. Neat. That's just the end of the sentence? That's yeah, just the end of that. Sentence. It's connected okay. to the last paragraph, but okay. It's important, I guess. Yeah, I was of Ray. Excuse me. Oh. It's a good show. Yeah? That that good, huh? Yep. yep. Very so good show. So good yawning through. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this journey tonight from animals who don't deserve diplomas to uh, Pinky and the Brain. If you would uh, like to visit our website, you can do so at wskbcast.blogspot.com, where we have fun photos from our journeys, as well as episodes to download. Of course, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, anywhere fine podcasts are featured. Uh, You can also find us on Twitter at wskbcast, as well as on Facebook. Just search We Should Know Better. Uh, Is there anything either of you would like to plug tonight? Uh, Basically, just... Yeah, uh, Lassie's progressive families. That's that's what I'm. That's what I'm here to. That's going to be the new like series. The reboot is just going to be called I, Lassie's Progressive Family. I want to know. I want to see the. You know what's the next family? Oh no! Would they be? Would Would Lassie finally have a family with two dads? Is that going to be? Is that what it's going to? What it's going to take? What about Lassie and the Connors? Oh no! They just replaced Roseanne with Lassie. I mean, <laughs> it could be an improvement. <clears throat> All right. Um. So yeah, let's uh, let's ponder on that. And next <laughs> week we'll see if uh, we're all pondering the same thing again, huh? All right. See you guys later. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. The show chalked up 17 seasons, oh my goodness, uh, before entering first-run syndication for its final two seasons. Somebody's playing Pokemon no, Go. No, I'm trying to it's turn not... the volume off my phone. Uh-huh. It's, and it's, you're playing Pokemon no, it Go. On. It was Pokemon on. Pokemon Go was on. Pokemon Go was on. Yes. And you turned it off, but now you're playing no, it No, I'm trying to turn it off. <laughs> you're trying to turn off the sound so you can play it without us knowing. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, because, like, other things were happening on the phone. It was making little dings and stuff. So I had to turn it on to turn on the Do Not Disturb. And when I did that, the Pokemon Go that I had been playing previously was still there. And it started playing. Um, Don't judge me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, okay. Uh...